Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Go, let's go, let's go. Didn't execute at a high level, had some opportunities, and you got to give them credit. They came out and had a good plan and moved the ball early. But uh, our guys fought once again. It's just crucial situations. We're not getting it done. Today, uh, today this one's uh, this one's very frustrating, but I mean, we'll, we'll get over it. Um, you know, we got we got a division opponent. Uh, everything we want is right in front of us. Uh, we'll be better. Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, after the loss, yes, frustrating, yes, didn't execute at a high level. We've heard those things before this year. 34-26, the Minnesota Vikings beat the Cardinals yesterday. Cards now back in last place by themselves at 3-4 and four in the NFC West. We open up the phone lines on this big red Monday, 602-260-9870. The phone number, let's start in Gilbert and talk to Rich here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Good morning, Rich. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, to me, this this organization is a failure from top to bottom. Um, I mean, Cliff is literally clueless about how to fix things. Time, it's like he's half in, half out, right? I mean, we're trading first-round picks. We're trading fifth-round picks for receivers. Those are win-now kind of moves. But if you're in win-now mode, why, are you still, why do you still have salary cap space? Why can't you bring in defensive players um, that can help you? Um, but I mean, this this stuff is acceptable to Bidwell, obviously, because he, you know, he chose to reward these guys. So I don't expect anything to change. Yeah, but, that's good. Um, the Suns are playing great, so uh, at least we have that thing. <laughs> that's a good it. point. Rich, bringing it to start the yeah. uh, the phone calls that's today. Spot on. Yeah, I mean, those are valid questions. Yeah, win now moves, but there is still salary cap space, and you've you've talked about it. You know, and this goes back to the preseason. You bringing it up, Bick, about salary cap space being available and the the appearance maybe of for whatever reason the Cardinals operating on a bit of an NFL shoestring budget yeah, this year. Yeah, it it it's been that way. I mean, because I mean, it's it's been that way, and it's it's one of many issues that I have with this team. Yeah. But, but he's right when he says because this is indeed happening. The loyalty to both Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury is alienating and disenfranchising a lot of football fans because they know it's garbage. Yeah, and it's, instead of things changing, it's the constant refrain of "We gotta." Which I'll go back we to gotta. those two words. Yeah, we got to be every better. week. We it's we got to. Right. Yeah. Uh, good. Good call, Rich. Appreciate it. We'll keep it going at six zero two two six zero nine eight seven zero. Phil is in Scottsdale here on Arizona Sports. Good morning, Phil. Good morning. I guess that was a perfect segue for me because uh, I just, for the life of me, I can't, I just don't understand Cliff's timeout usage. Uh, it's just so unreliable, and I just don't understand when, you know, why they extended him last year, a year early on his contract. I just can't understand it for the life of me. The guy is just the most unreliable coaching in those moments, and I, I just don't understand why there's not more of an uproar to get rid of him, because I, I just think he's 100% of the problem. Phil, appreciate it. Yeah, he's definitely in over his head. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and, and you know, going back to it, after the way the last season ended and the playoff loss, which is about as embarrassing as it gets on a national stage, I think we were both in agreement, Bick, that this very well could be a prove-it year for all three of, of the mm-hmm. big three, Kime, Kingsbury, and Kyler Murray, yet all three of them at different times got rewarded. It, it's, it's, a, it's a curious strategy to reward people after their worst performance. Very curious. Yeah. Yes. And, and then, then to not reward players, mm-hmm. right? Not pay for 
players. Look, I mean, and the thought at the time was, hey, you just locked up your coach and your general manager. Now you have to lock up your quarterback. And they eventually did, but... I think it was a year early for, for all three of them, quite honestly. Uh, Anthony is in Phoenix. He's up next to her on Big Red Monday. What's up, Anthony? Yes, sir. Uh, you're talking to a 71-year-old dinosaur, so bear with me. One thing I'd like to see is on kickoffs, have the kick returner put his heels on the goal line. If it goes six inches into the end zone, please let it go and take it at the 25. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every time they run it out, if, they get to the, if they're lucky to get to the 25, there's holding. Back to the 10. That's one thing. Now, the other thing is this quarterback sneak with it's six inches or less. I'm going to break the TV next time he hikes the ball 30 yards behind the scrimmage and they got six <laughs> inches to go. He won't put the court. And his answer is it's not in the playbook. I mean, I'm on Social Security. The next time he does it, I'm going to break the TV, and I can't afford it. <laughs> I'll get my guy at Waltz to hook you up, brother. Yes. <laughs> Big's got your back, I got Anthony. Your back, man. <laughs> Great phone call, Anthony. <laughs> that was some. That no, that was pure comedy. That was good. That stuff. was pure comedy. That was good stuff. I'm going to break my but TV, Anthony, and I can't afford a new on, one. On the kickoff point, Anthony actually brings up a good point. It doesn't pop up that much. But there are so few kickoff returns that are actually executed now in today's NFL. I think the blockers are out of practice. And when you do take it out of the end zone or do opt to return it, you are opening yourself up to being backed up by a penalty. I think that's an excellent point by Anthony. Let's uh, keep it going out to uh, Gilbert. And Adam is up next here on Arizona Sports. Good morning, Adam. Hey, morning, guys. I uh, love your show. Absolutely love it. I'm Thank a you. Fan. Um, yeah, no, it was a great game last night. I mean, the the out-of-bounds stuff, the, the 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 good three-point shoot. Oh, wait, no, not the Suns game. Oh, we're talking about the Cardinals. No, the Cardinals are terrible right now. Um, and the main reason is probably because Cliff Kingsbury, even though there's a lot of things with the screenplay that you can you – can, you can understand when it's a short quarterback throwing it to a short receiver. If you throw him in that front of that line, he's not going to see that guy anywhere, so he'll just have to throw it anywhere. So that's, let's just give that for an explanation for Cliff of why he does that. Any other kind of thing, there is no explanation for. He cannot manage the game. He can't call plays. He can't even cover his mouth when he's covering the plays anymore. So <laughs> I'm just saying that since we saw this at the beginning of extending him, giving him a chance, when we all saw the same thing, so him miscues after miscues after miscues. And this is the result of it. Finally, it's getting to losses. And that's, what, that's what's concerning. It, his mistakes are actually causing us losses. But yeah, we, we could have used all of those timeouts, any one of them. I think there's only one that may not have been burned, but it was a waste of a timeout, all of them. And uh, I love your show. You guys Thank talk you, about him. He's, he's terrible. And, and, and every time they get in the red zone, the confusion seems to get worse. Mm-hmm. So in the moments when you're about to score touchdowns, in the moment you can change everything about a football game, that is when you are at your shakiest. Yes, but, I mean, again, go back to that play where they have to burn a timeout because of the play clock management. They come out, you know, inside the five-yard line. It's loud. Guess what? You're playing in Minnesota. It's loud. But after a timeout, you get an errant shotgun snap from your center who just apparently went rogue on that play, is Cody Ford's looking back to get the signal from Kyler Murray yeah. to give him the tap. Yeah. And, and the, tap, just the tap never came, and he, uh, Kyler Murray's not even looking at the ball. I know. 
I know. How do you explain that after timeouts? I, 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 I every can't. single I, I, yes. week. Every single week. It's it's unfathomable. Let's go to uh, Rick and Surprise up next here on Arizona Sports. Good morning, Rick. Morning, guys. Hey, I know after a loss, um, it's frustrating and all the haters come out, but I'm, I'm going to put a little bit better spin on it. Okay. I think that they're slowly improving each week, and maybe it'll be a flip of what last year was and the other years. Uh, they they played a undefeated Eagles team, very tight. They could have won that game. They beat the Saints. They played a one-loss uh, Vikings team and could have won that. And, yes, the frustrating things with Cliff and the timeouts and all that still need to improve. But after a few weeks of having D-Hop back and Robbie Anderson improving, that should have been a touchdown, by the way, if Kyler would have, you know, uh, thrown that a little further. So there's, there's still some off-timing with the new receivers. But I think that... I, if they were going to lose one of the next four before uh, yesterday, I would have said lose to the Vikings, and I'd rather they win division games. So uh, I still think they're improving, and I think they're uh, setting themselves up to possibly uh, up the season here coming up soon. That's- all right, man. Thanks, Rick. I, I, I disagree with the improving part. I think that they're, uh, they've got a lot of talent on offense. And, and I think that that's what makes me more frustrated than anything is they're very close to being a good team. But operationally, the the stuff that's just holding them back is killing them. I mean, again, you see plays where, you know, play clock running down and Kyler Murray's rearranging guys on where to line up. And there seems to be some some you know, built-in level of confusion when things start to move fast. I yes. mean, there was a play at the end of the game when Rondell Moore and, and, and Eno Benjamin were, were, were jawing back and forth on who, who's going to line up where. I mean, even there was a play on the last possession – where Kyler scrambled through the ball down the field and and Hopkins caught it. It was like a twenty four yard play. There was three wide receivers in the same spot on the field. And and he, again the optics of it. Kyler Murray wasting precious seconds screaming at Eno Benjamin to get on the other side of him. He actually like tapped them on the hip and he, said like get over here. Right. And it was just like how does that happen in these high leverage situations? It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. It's repeated. Thanks for the phone calls. Good stuff today on the phones. Coming up next, a bit of a palate cleanser, I suppose. Good. On, on this big red Monday, because the shade will turn from red to purple. Suns get a win over the Rockets last night, and we'll dive into Vinny's view. Straight ahead, Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That's always good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Good teams in the NBA find ways to win when they're not on their A game. So I guess that means the Phoenix Suns are a good team. At least they were last night. Sunday night's 124-109 win over the Houston Rockets was not even close to the best basketball offered up by the Suns early this season. But it was just good enough. The Suns led throughout, didn't build a double-digit lead until the second quarter, and only got really comfortable with a 15-point lead in the last couple minutes of the game. The Rockets are a young team with a lot of talented players that plays very hard against the Suns, but when things got close in the fourth quarter, the Suns were the team that was able to lean on chemistry, knowledge, and passing, while Houston relied on one-on-five hero ball. As a result, Phoenix won the quarter by 11, won the game by 15. Like we saw last season... 
The Suns remain the monsters of the mid-range, which makes you wonder why they launched 43-point attempts, including 15 alone in the fourth quarter. On the night, the Suns hit 33 of their 44 shots from inside the arc. Uh... That's 75% for those scoring at home. They attempted only eight two-point shots outside the paint and feasted at the rim despite playing without DeAndre Ayton. The Suns became the first team this season in the NBA to hit 75% of its twos on 40 or more attempts and only the 14th team all-time to accomplish that feat, believe it or not. It's good to be able to fall back on old-school two-point-set-a-time basketball when you need to. We all know the NBA's 82-game schedule is way too long, but Sunday night was a reassurance that this group of sons can muster up just enough uh, to put away the also-rans of the league. A list, by the way, that is shorter than it's probably ever been. There you go. There's Vinny's view from last night's game. We'll do that after Suns home games here on Bickley and Murata Morning. Sometimes it'll be like that. Sometimes it'll be, I don't know, just random observations, top five list, whatever. Whatever you want it to be, my man. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's my own little playground. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. So, uh, yeah, I agree with what you said. That was not the crispest, crispest, crispiest. It was not really the most sparkling. Crispin lover. It was really not the most sparkling victory. Uh, Coco of, Chris. It, it might have been, that might have been their their worst performance of the season but yes. again you just you just have to check off the boxes against the bad teams and that's yeah. that's what they did i thought it was interesting how the rockets really kind of tried to test the suns physically again last night because that that treatment that cam johnson seems to get yes landry shamit was getting it last he night. got it last night damian lee got it to an extent and i gotta give damian lee credit there was a little bit of an exchange where there was some pushing there was a lot of joying damian lee actually just turned around and threw his hands up and shook his head. Nope, I'm not getting into this. It was a two-point game at that time, mm-hmm. and the Sun did end up getting because of a, you know, a, a bef- you know b- before the ball was inbounded foul, and two technicals. They got three free throws and the ball, and Landry Shamit had a, an open look at a three. I believe it was Shamit, and he missed it. Could have been a six-point possession, yeah. but the Suns, again, didn't they didn't get pushed around uh, and I think Damian Lee showed a lot of restraint right there and, and, and just walking away from a team that they knew that they were better than. The bench again was good last yes. night, uh, but I wonder, I really wondered with things blowing up in Brooklyn, and I'm talking about <laughs> Kyrie losing his mind. And, and, How about and, that situation? Oh, so you you wonder what's going to happen with that. You wonder if that's going to be the impetus to the, to Brooklyn just going, you know what, just get all these guys out of here, all of them. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what that might mean in terms of the Phoenix Suns and Kevin Durant. I, yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing over the weekend, Bick, because Brooklyn is a mess. I think you're going to see incremental changes. I think the first change that's coming, and I think it's coming soon, is Steve Nash is going to be shown the door. And they're going to try to salvage it with the players even though Ben Simmons looks like a broken offensive player and and Kyrie Irving in terms of chem- the guy can play basketball there's no doubt about it but in terms of chemistry and the spotlight that he's thrusting upon himself in that organization I don't know if they can overcome that but no. what do you do in January Listen, if you're the Suns and and again you're comfortably in first place in the Western Conference do you want to go down that road where you're blowing everything up as long as the Suns are playing well it becomes a very dicey proposition Kyrie Irving is if if people made the argument that Robert Sarver's history in Phoenix is bad for the NBA you could make the exact same argument that Kyrie Irving's mouth is bad for the NBA 
So I was talking to somebody about this last night, and this person said that there, there's only one there's only one solution for Kyrie Irving right now, and that is to get back under LeBron. LeBron is the only one who can make that guy stable. Yeah, but I mean, when was the last time Kyrie played with LeBron? Was what twenty seventeen? Five years ago, Kyrie Irving has changed a lot personality wise in five years. Yeah, that's true. It's true. And go, you know, LeBron James, when things were going really bad with the Lakers, and we talked to Sam Amick about it last week, he hasn't been exactly outspoken about other players on the team that seem to be struggling or failing to carry their weight. Remember what Sam said? Hey, he doesn't want to be responsible for the end of, of Russell Westbrook's career. Oh, right. So it's true. I, I I don't know if LeBron wants to be saddled with that responsibility right That's now. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a really good point. But you're you're right though. If if Durant suddenly becomes available yeah. and you're the Suns and you're just cooking again, I don't know what you Look, do. There's yeah, a but, long but, way before we get there, but oh, yeah. it, it looks like the Suns are again a very very formidable team right now. Uh huh. They're a very good regular season yes, team again. And I'm I am scared more than I was last year that if you plop them down in a playoff series that they are going to get exposed. It's just a fear. I'm not saying it'll happen. But I thought I thought they were much better suited for playoff basketball with JaVale McGee and Jay Crowder than I am with this bench. That is a, a kind of finesse. Very good. And look, I, I, I kind of rolled my eyes at the idea of Jock Landale being better than JaVale McGee. He is a really good fit. There's no getting around that. He's a real smart player. Well, remember what we said, too, about what Dario Saric potentially could bring getting back into the rotation with his ability to stretch, his ability to put the ball on the floor a bit, create. He's a good passer. Saric has not got on the court since opening night for two minutes, which no. is which is curious and maybe something we can get into later in the week. Uh, Jock Landale does a lot of those same yeah, things, he does. And, he, and he plays really hard. And I think mm-hmm. again, he is a better fit for what the Phoenix Suns do right now than Javale McGee was, who who did great things for the Suns last year. Mm-hmm. How does it look in the playoffs? That's that's yeah. what I'm worried about. Yeah. I, I want to get really excited about this because, like I said, the bench was a big concern, and they've put together three really good games in a row now. Yep. Uh, about Jock Landale, by the way, Chris Paul talked about uh, the Australian big man after the game last night. He's so valuable. Uh, the energy, the pace that he plays with, uh, he gives himself up so much. Um, there's so many plays that... Jock, D.A., Biz, uh, a lot of the open threes we get is because of their um, selflessness in the way that they roll and the way that they run the floor. Yeah, Biz Biombo getting pressed into duty. He was really good the other night against New Orleans. Uh, had some big plays and a couple of block shots to set the tone early uh, last night against the Rockets. Gets tougher, though, uh, the rest of this homestand. Three games remaining on this homestand. Got Minnesota tomorrow and then back-to-back games on Friday and Saturday against the uh, Portland Trailblazers before they hit the road again, but Suns off to a five and one start, and I don't know, especially if if there was anything con- you know that was concerning about their style of play in the preseason, you know, losing to an Australian team, 
Uh, yeah, they, they didn't right, and they looked completely discombobulated. They've come out and uh, after a bad first half against Dallas, have played consistently. Good Isn't basketball. that crazy? When we came out of that awful game seven, you had that very um, jarring visual of losing to that team, yes. uh, that semi-pro team from Australia, and you're thinking this whole thing is falling apart. And then you had the first half against the Mavericks yeah. that looked just like game seven. Yeah. And ever since, this basketball team has been quite formidable. Yeah, yeah. Great. Crazy, man. Just crazy. Sons of T Wolves so, tomorrow yeah. night. Yeah, so like I said, I'm I'm real curious to see what they do with this because as Jared said, it, you're playing this well together. The last thing you want to do is okay, take Cam Johnson, take Mikhail Bridges, take these draft picks, give us Kevin Durant. Yeah. It, Look, the last time the Suns made a deadline deal when they were in first place didn't go so well after that deal. Sean Marion to Miami for Shaquille O'Neal. Anybody remember that? I do remember that. People might not remember the Suns were in first place in the West when that deal went down. But Shaq, Kevin Durant is much better now than Shaq was then. Oh, I agree. But it's got to give you a little bit of pause. If you're in first place, that's the pause part. Kevin but, Durant's but an that, amazing that, basketball that, player. No, it's an interesting comp. It's an interesting comp, but but it was also done out of desperation. Yes. And also the precedent was set last year when they were in first place and they shopped DeAndre Ayton. At the deadline. That's true, too. They didn't deal him. They didn't deal him, though. You're right. Yeah. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell takes us through the big stories of the day on this Monday, Halloween edition of the Rush Hour Reboot. Straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings Live from the Akchin Community Studios on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into Bickley Emirata Mornings, the Rush Hour Reboot, specifically on Bickley Emirata Mornings. Every single day at 7.30, we take you through the biggest stories of the day. And once again, it is a Monday morning, and we are just wondering what in the world went wrong with the Arizona Cardinals yesterday. So we are going to go through that now. I am Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Vince Murata. Oh, is that a cover? Yeah, it is a cover of a Beatles song. From uh, apparently from a Target commercial in 2012. Oh, oh. Yeah. oh, that's why it appealed to me, the millennial white woman. I was like, what's that? Target. And Jarrett Carlin. When you're busting ghosts, my young crunk brothers, what is the number one thing you do when you, you're busting ghosts? You never cross the streams. Word of wisdom for everyone out there. Something to keep in mind on this Halloween day. Yes. What in the, what in the world is Does that? Busting ghosts mean what I think it means. What? Like as in being a ghostbuster? Being a ghostbuster. Oh, I thought he was saying busting dose. Oh. When you're busting ghosts. Is that, does he say ghost? It says ghost. What? When you're trying. busting ghosts, my young crunk There's brothers. No there. oh, okay. That's but, what but, but he's off. saying, ghosts. yeah. Okay. okay, whatever. Well, we're off to a hot start here <laughs> in the Rush Hour reboot. 
Oh, man. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, Halloween everybody. The screams was bad, Egon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the Cardinals are 3-5 and five now with the loss to the Vikings yesterday, 34-26. Kyler Murray threw for 326 yards and three touchdowns. Those are both season highs for him, along with two interceptions, which is also a season high. Here is Kyler Murray after the game. Sucks. Obviously, you know, it's uh, losing that one, man. I just felt like, you know, self-inflicted again, you know, so it, it will be better. It will be better. Okay, DeAndre Hopkins uh, also spoke about the Cardinals' three turnovers all in the second half. Uh, it's always bad when you turn the ball over, especially against a good team like this. They're, um, you know, they're banking on you making mistakes, uh, and they're going to they're capitalize on them, and that's what they did today. All right, and those mistakes he mentions, Cliff Kingsbury told the Cardinals radio network after the game what was going to stick out to him most when he thought back on the loss. Just some of the crucial situations um, at the end, you know, the two-minute drill, not being able to convert there. We got the crack back block, which, you know, that, that's an emphasis here. We just can't do that and get a 15-yard penalty in that that situation. And then we just got to be more efficient, coaches and players, um, getting the plays in and, and not burning timeouts. These are all things that we have heard Cliff Kingsbury talk about and that we have talked about on this show the entire season long. So what recurring issue for the Arizona Cardinals is most frustrating to you right now? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) All of the above. All of them. Yeah, no. Yeah, listen. I didn't mean to, to, to cut you off. If, oh, if, if, if I had a if I had a point to one, it would just be. It's it's all it's it, it's all of it. It's the operational flaws that good football teams don't do. The game is hard enough. Yeah. To me, it's just the collection of recurring issues. It's not one thing. Yeah. It's about eight things that we talk about pretty much every week and the rest of the football world talks about every week from what Bick said, the operations of all of it to falling behind whether it's failures on the defense, not scoring touchdowns in the first quarter. They still don't have one. They've played 120 minutes of football, first quarter football this year and haven't scored a touchdown. That's insane. It's it is unbelievable. Insane. That's two full games. Yeah, with no first quarter touchdown. That's wild. Um, you know the the timeout usage, the screen pad, the reliance on the screen passes. I mean, where do you where do you draw the line on all this stuff? Yeah. Uh, you could tell it was a very emotional day, very emotional game for Patrick Peterson, the former Arizona Cardinal. Is he okay? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, he did not get the two interceptions that he said he would on his podcast. He had four tackles, three passes defensed, and a win. Uh, got in on a celebration mocking Kyler Murray with the rest of the Cardinals defense, or excuse me, the Vikings defense, uh, making fun of his video games. Uh, and then after the game, he made a, a very interesting claim about the Cardinals owner, Michael Bidwell. He he told reporters that when he was still with Arizona, Bidwell would print out emails from disgruntled fans that would, would email and pick on Patrick Peterson. And Michael Bidwell, per P2, would leave those emails printed out in his locker. Here's Patrick Peterson cut down for the sake of time. I've been told a lot of things about me with the other organization. Get fan mails from the owner saying that they, I can't tackle. I'm old. I lost it. So I wanted to show him that. Uh, I don't know. Someone was sending emails to the, you know, to the owners, and then I get them on my chair, just things like that, you know. Why would they print it out and leave it on your chair too, right? That's, that that was the mind-boggling thing to me. I'm like, what? What did I do to deserve this from a fan? 
Okay, so if this is true, which why would he make it up? But if it is true, what does that say to you about the way Michael Bidwell treats his star players? It's a it's a very, very curious thing to do because it would seem to me in a healthy organization, you would have one of your coaches come up to Patrick Peterson and say, yo, Pat, start playing physical. We need you to engage physically. Wouldn't wouldn't that be the proper course of action? Yeah. If you're trying to motivate a player? As opposed to passively aggressive passive aggressively printing out email. I mean, mind-boggling is the right term. Patrick Peterson used the right adjective. Yep. If again it is true. Right. Um but you go from from coddling a guy for that long to treating him that way. I, I again, I don't I don't know what to believe here. Mm-hmm. There's there's reasons to believe both sides of this. Sure. It, it, it's disturbing, and now it's out there. Yeah, and now the Cardinals. I don't know. Do they have to deal with it? I would think so. I if, assume they won't. Yeah, I, I think I think I think someone won't. will ask somebody about it, right? Yeah, I mean, perceptually, it's it's a it's a bad look. I mean, if if you wanted to pile, if people were already wondering what was going on in the desert with the with the with this commitment to this general manager who's been here since 2013, who hasn't won a playoff game, the only GM in the division who has not brought the team to a Super Bowl. If they were wondering about this crazy allegiance and the contract extension to a head coach who's never been anything better than mediocre, this just gets piled on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it looks like an organization that's got a lot of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And and again, this has been going on all off season. Yeah. It, it, think of how bad that study addendum in Kyler Murray's contract played out. Yeah. So yeah, so I think I think across the league people are looking at this and going, that organization is lost. What is wrong with you people? Yeah. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> all right, let's very very quickly squeeze in ASU football. Uh, the offense had a field day against Colorado on Saturday, a 42-34 win in Boulder. 435 yards passing by Trenton Bourget in his first start for ASU. That's the most passing yards by an ASU quarterback since 2014 when Mike Bercovici threw for 510 against USC. Jail Mary game. That's right. Do you think Herm Edwards would still be in charge had Trenton Bourget started out as the starting quarterback this season? Hmm. That's a good question. I would say no. He'd be gone still? I, I, because when it got ugly in that loss against Eastern Michigan, it looked like a team that had just stopped believing in its head coach. And and if those reports from in that piece from Doug Haller are true, that, that people inside the program were willingly giving out tips yes. yeah. to yeah. media and that kind of... Then, 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 the yes. Opposing coaches, Another coaches, yeah, opposing yeah. coaches. Then the team, yeah. Then that I think the guts of the team knew that a change had to be done. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the Stanford game though, where people wanted Borgay to get the start. He didn't. I understand the decision by Sean Aguano there, but maybe he should have had a quick hook. Uh, they'd have one more win. Well, that was a bold thing Sean Aguano did to take over play calling duties. I think he made the obvious call at quarterback. Yeah. Yes. We all were doubting whether or not it was going to happen, but to be that bold and say, I'm doing this, but and then get those results. Sean Aguano is a smart dude. He wants this job, too, and he made those changes before they played the worst defense ever assembled. Right. In college football. <laughs> yeah. so. It's like calling a team meeting in baseball when you get your ace going out that night. <laughs> yeah. And you're playing a last place yeah, team. Yeah, it's always good. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a really good performance by Trenton Borgay. Yeah. There right. you go. There's your Rush Hour reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, the offensive struggles continue to pop up for the Arizona Cardinals. And on Sunday, they added a new mix.
turnovers. We'll get into the offensive performance next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Big Red Monday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Love you, bro. Love you. Love you. No, let's be the best. Let's be the best. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Big Red Monday and Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Offensively, I thought we played well again. I thought, I thought we, that we uh, moved the ball. Um, just a couple again. A couple. They're a good team. You know, they're, they're going to stop you. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we, we self-inflicted turnovers. Um, can't happen. I just got to go back to the drawing boards and practice, um, you know, and corrections. Um, you know, it's nothing that we can do now. Can't, can't, can't go back and, and run that play over. Got to correct it in practice. It's Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, who uh, hooked up quite a bit yesterday and on one of the highlight touchdowns of the year for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Not enough. And they still fall. not enough. Uh, 34-26. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins was targeted 13 times, 12 catches, 159 yards, and a touchdown. Okay, 12 of 13, you said? Yeah. Okay, this is an, another thing that drives me crazy about this football team. DeAndre Hopkins had to tell his head coach or his sideline, get me the football. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? I don't know, but we talked about the preponderance of DeAndre Hopkins' targets in that first game against the Saints. When you break it down this way, there were 30 targets that went elsewhere. Now, you're not going to throw the ball 43 times to DeAndre Hopkins. I get it. But I don't know. Maybe on a crucial third down and four or a crucial fourth down and four, go to your best playmaker. Or how about this? Yeah. Or how about this? On a third and 18, instead of just giving up, how about throw the ball up? Give him a 50-50 ball downfield. See what happens. Yeah, because we know 50-50 balls aren't 50-50 balls with DeAndre Hopkins. They're like 70-30. And he's a P.I. drawing machine. Yes. So giving up on it, it's so frustrating. Beck, I think we've talked about this so much, and, and we hear it from, you know, again, it's one of those recurring themes when the Cardinals struggle offensively, and it wasn't a total offensive struggle. They did have 375 yards. They couldn't run the ball, uh, but they did have three turnovers. But there's so much reverence paid to the the, the defense. You know, mm-hmm. tip your cap to them. They had a good plan. You know, we have to take what the defense gives us. That Attitude and philosophy will never lead to consistent no. winning. I know when you have the playmakers and your whole column on ArizonaSports.com, and I'm sure you'll get into it in the blast in just a little bit again. But it's all about the amount of talent on this roster does not match what they are putting out. No. There. And Rondale Moore made that clear yesterday. Rondale Moore had a couple of electrifying plays, and you realize just the malfeasance that has been uh, involved in his deployment and how how they don't get him the ball downfield in space when you got DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. I know they're figuring it out. I know they're going to get better. I know they're working on it. It's a joke. Okay, you want a guru? Here's what a guru would do. Make it real easy on you. You make the quarterback get up under center. You make the quarterback be a dual threat. You make him make plays with his feet because you see what it does to a football game. And then you throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins as much as necessary. You don't give up when when a drive gets off schedule. Do those three things. Make the quarterback utilize himself properly as a dual threat. Get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, like you said. In big-time situations, every smart football coach in football goes to the one singular premise. Get the ball yes. to your best player. I like Greg Dortch. I like Eno Benjamin. I'm not throwing the ball to them on a crucial situation on third and four and fourth and four. It's going to number 10. Yeah. And if, it, does, right. it, it, if it doesn't work, at least you went to your best option. That's right.
That's exactly right. And if it's right. not Hopkins, it's Ertz. That's exactly right. And, and now let me just let me just address this because a lot of people have reacted to to my observation of Cliff Kingsbury wearing sunglasses <laughs> indoors yesterday in a stadium where he was the only person wearing sunglasses. <laughs> now, a lot of people have looked at that and gone, oh, yeah, of course, Coach Bro, trying to act like he's the coolest guy in the world. I don't think it's that. I think he did that as a reaction to Kyler Murray not appreciating the hysterics. It almost felt like, okay, so you don't like me showing emotion? Boom. Does next week he coach in a COVID mask? I, I don't. Pre-game, he wasn't wearing his sunglasses. As soon as the game ended, he took them off and shook the other guy's hand. I don't. I, again, it's a stupid thing, but I just wonder what was that all about? And Kyler Murray, in the middle of year four, is wearing a cheat sheet on his wrist. Yeah, that in came, the middle of year four. That came up with uh, Cliff Kingsbury in his interview with Paul Calvisi after the game. Yeah, just as we continue to um, huddle and, and do some different things, just ways we can be more efficient in and out of the huddle, um, still working through that. <laughs> Going back to your point, though, on Kyler Murray and his legs, another subject we've talked about over and over again. When he runs, they're good. When he doesn't run, they're not good. It is so painfully obvious to anybody who follows this team that Kyler, the, the offense's success and the reason why Kyler Murray, A, was drafted number one overall and B, was just given $230 million is because of that threat, the dual threat ability that he has. You just have to surmise at this point that he is an unwilling participant to run a lot consistently. Sometimes we see it from week to week. Every once in a while, it'll pop up. It's 10-plus runs and the Cardinals win the game, but... He he said this. He said exactly the opposite. I don't know whether he was being truthful about that. I know I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. And if he is willing, and they're not utilizing it more on structured, designed runs, that is again one of your words, malfeasance. Well, listen, and I know there's a lot of people who who do not like this quarterback. I, I hear it from them all the time. There were any number of throws yesterday that just showed how excellent his arm talent is if being used properly. And and this really that's that's the bottom line in all this. You've got to get this guy at a different level and it's not happening. He well, had that play where he scrambled and threw the pass to DeAndre Hopkins like in the smallest of windows. Yes. He, it was he scrambled unbelievable. and he threw a great pass to Eno Benjamin. He threw that sideline pass to DeAndre Hopkins that, that mm-hmm. I think you're referencing yep. that was unbelievable. He's got great arm talent. He does. And you've got to get, you've got to find a way to maximize it and feature it and use it. He makes good decisions sometimes. (laughs) He he takes care of the football sometimes. But it's just, it's, that that to me is why I, I, I got out of this game yesterday and I'm like, wow, there, this was really a feast for the eyes in terms of just optics from Patrick Peterson to the head coach to, to the snow that was swirling in the stadium at the beginning. The fake snow yeah. that was swirling in the stadium at the beginning. All of it. It was just, it was really a fun game to watch. And yet at the end of it, I was just, again, incandescent with rage. Well, this is also an offense that, there's no threat of a deep ball. The vertical game is completely absent. And I know what people will say. See, they went deep to Robbie Anderson, and he underthrew him by 20 yards, and they got a pick. I don't care. That is something you need to show more. Yeah. And that that was just, that was a quarterback in his goal line, at his goal line, just throwing it up for grabs. It was, that, that ball wasn't even remotely close to Robbie Anderson. No, so. he would have had to throw in that ball like 80 yards in the yeah. air to complete yeah. that pass. And we know Kyler Murray's no P.J. Walker. 
<laughs> that was unbelievable. Yeah. Ball went 60, <laughs> 63.6 yards. The How ball? often do you see yeah. a Hail Mary where they hit the guy in stride? How about it? Yeah, Not we're talking hurt. about the Panthers-Falcons yeah, yeah. for people who are wondering what in the Why heck we're right. right. If I can get the old NFL uh, Plus uh, game replays to fire up today, I'm going to watch the end of that game. Listen, Patrick Peterson got his mojo going yesterday, deflecting a pass intended for A.J. Green in the end zone who was not open. And the pass wasn't bad, but it's, it got me thinking, what is A.J. Green doing Playing when Robbie See, Anderson would you just say that? I think that for. ball was underground, uh, uh, underthrown. What was the snap think. count again? Okay. You said AJ Green, thirty-seven snaps. Wow, yeah, forty-four snaps between he and Anderson, and zero catches. <laughs> I, it, it, does that make any sense to you? Nothing makes sense to me. <laughs> text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, the halfway point of this Big Red Monday. Bick kicks off the second half with the blast. That is straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.